FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 126 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked 120 snicked. We're your host, Jason and Denise Venable. What's up? Yeah, back to cover uh, all of the Wolverines-related appearances in uh, April 2015. I feel like I've been on vacation. It's, it's been a good while. It's been about a month, I believe. I thought I got a pink slip for a while. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I thought that was your polite way of being like, no, we just, you know, there's not a whole lot going on in the current books. We've been doing a lot of flashback stuff. Flashback! Anyway, um, this episode we will catch up on the Wolverines weekly miniseries. Oh, you know what? A little controversy, right? There's controversy? Yeah. What's the controversy? Some X-Men controversy that I know people are waiting for us to talk about. Ooh. But that's not what we're going to say yet. <laughs> My controversy is that this weekly series took a week off in April. Uh-oh. There were five Wednesdays and only four issues of the Wolverines to not like. Well, you know, when you got that many Wolverines snicking around. Right. They're too busy healing <laughs> to yes. put out a fifth issue. Yes. So, <laughs> so we will also wrap up Black Vortex. That's over. And uh, there really is... Um, I, probably the, the the internet controversy was probably a little heavy-handed, but there is definitely some news to talk about with the X-Men that we'll get to later oh. in the appropriate comic. Later? Why can't we do it now? I want to talk about it with the issue. Oh. So. And plus, give people a reason to listen to the episode. I mean, you're going to need a reason to listen to, to us talking about Wolverines. <laughs> So we should we tell them that I'm just totally going to rip people a new one? Give we'll them a see. teaser? You haven't even read it yet. No, but just based on the brief conversation that we've had over it, yes, well, I'm just ready to rip into it. We'll see. I promise you'll read it before we record the segment. Nah, I'll just go off on the handle because of the there person it involves. Right. So. Spoiler. Spoilers. Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's what we got coming up. So let's talk about some comics, huh? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Hey, hey, hey we're, we're the Wolverines. People say we snicked around, but we're too busy hearing for anyone to keep us down. Yeah. One more time. Nope. <laughs> hey, you only got a few more times to hear that theme song. Actually, I think maybe just one more. We'll see. Uh-oh, then we have to come up with a new, thong, new, new thong, a new, a new song. thong. <laughs> I like where this is going. <laughs> I need a new thong. <laughs> No, I don't. <laughs> hmm. No, don't even think about it. I'll be right back. I don't wear them. I will never put dental floss up my ass. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a whole different bedroom game. <laughs> we're not going there. But, but moving I, on. We're going to talk about our weekly Wolverines series. Um, we have issues 13, 14, 15, and 16. Woohoo! Uh, out of 20, I don't know if we've talked about that yet, but uh, the last issue will be issue number 20. No, we haven't talked about it. I have no idea how many of these things are going to, okay. for as long as I know, they were going to happen forever. Oh, Lord, help us. 
Well, anyway, Wolverines, number 13, is written by Charles Stoll, with art by Jason Masters, colors by Guy Major, or maybe he's not Canadian, maybe he's Guy Major, I don't know. I'm assuming he is. So, Guy, or Major Major Guy, that should be his new name. Yes. Hey, I'm Major Guy. (laughs) Here to drink light beer. Oh, my gosh. VC's Corey Pettit Woo-hoo. does the letters. And the cover is by Gilliam March. I don't know if I'm saying that right. In fact, he does all four of these covers this month. So April is his month for Wolverines. Of course, he's a DC artist, uh, probably best known for... Um, well, actually, I think his best work was probably on Gotham City Sirens. He's probably best known for his uh, sexed-up Catwoman run in the New 52. Um, okay. Yeah. Anyway, he's doing some Wolverines covers. And we're going to see how many times we can say that in this segment. Wolverines. <laughs> I want you to get as tired of that as I am on the series. <laughs> You're almost there. Yeah. Oh, anyway, on this cover is it's a wacky, wacky Deadpool cover, guys. You know, Deadpool just getting out of a bubble bath and he's got like a, a pink blow, eye, blow uh, hair dryer around his neck and... He's kicking a rubber ducky, and he's got some, like, four Wolverine claws, because he can't count, get it? And he's got like, a bird strapped to his head, man. It's crazy, wacky, and Deadpool. dart? Yeah, yeah, suction darts stuck all over him. And I think an electric razor, <laughs> for good measure. So basically, we find he's out that... He's got garden hose. He's got some hose. He's got some hose. Where my hose at? Oh, it's right over there. Filling up the tub. Overflowing, actually. Anyway, so we find out, of course, remember when when last we left off, Phantom L, well, in the interesting part of this series, Phantom L has been stealing some Wolverine memorabilia. And she had a buyer. And at the end of issue 12, we found out the buyer was Deadpool. Anyway, so we find out what, in this issue, what Deadpool wants to do with all his Wolverine collector's editions, Cracker Jack prizes, and basically, he's going to be a replacement Wolverine. And he's going to go hang out with all of Wolverine's old friends. Like She-Hulk. <laughs> he's also trying to recreate. No. Yeah, all right. So here's what he's trying to do. He, If you remember way back from episode 10, when we covered our very first flashback episode, when we covered Wolverine's first appearance from the Incredible Hulk, Deadpool, to get off on the best foot possible or the best snicked possible he's trying to recreate that story and so he doesn't know where the hulk is so he comes crashing through she hulk's attorney at law's office who's playing solitaire yeah the marvel hammer (laughs) there's a good joke for you texas natives she's playing solitaire like she's really busy anyway deadpool jumps in of course he's got the claws from paul cornell's last run then we get a double snicked and a weird looking mismatched Wolverine costume. And basically, he gets on everybody's nerves. He recites lines from Wolverine's first appearance. Stabs himself. Yeah, he can't work the claws. He fights She-Hulk, and uh, then he goes and goes to Japan and looks for ninjas. He goes to Tokyo, and he goes, Excuse me, good sir. Might you be able to point me in the direction of some ninjas? Why? Why do you want to find ninjas? It's a trope. Can you help? I've been looking everywhere. Ah, ninjas are very good at hiding. That's sort of their whole 
hmm, and then he sees one. Then he goes, we see him in Avengers Tower, the Jean Grey School, a shield helicarrier. He even goes to see Alpha Flight. This dog tag guy shows back up. He wants his Wolverine dog tag back. Turns out he's not a bad guy. All the dog tags he has were given to him by his friends, like Wolverine. And also, um, Punisher, Union Jack, Black Widow, U.S. Agent, and somebody in a helicopter. And so they come to uh, get uh, Wolverine's dog tag back from Deadpool. And we, instead of a snatch, we get a backward snicked where the claws come in, which is funny because when Deadpool couldn't work the claws earlier, he said that. He said, uh, how would you say that? Like, um, to Kent, I guess? Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, they won't come back out. And he stares at the th- typical, like, trope. Or the gun won't work, so you're looking at the barrel of the gun and you shoot yourself in the face like in Looney Tunes. Well, he does the same thing with these claws. He stabs himself in the face. Then at the end, we get a touching moment where Phantom L takes an old Wolverine shirt to X-23. She says, I think you'd want this. Yeah. So what do you think of the art by Mr. Masters? Uh, I thought it was okay. Yeah, it wasn't bad. I mean, he had to draw some silly stuff with a really bad-looking Wolverine quote-unquote costume, but I don't blame him for that. I feel like he did fine with it. I think they did a good job of, like, somebody mishmashing costumes together. Right. I agree. So, what do you think of the story? Um, I'm not a big fan of the whole Deadpool trying to be Wolverine. I feel like it was the <laughs> issue. Definitely. It was definitely kind of the joke issue. Yeah. Uh, that said, all right, so I normally... I'm pretty on the fence with Deadpool. I like him in small doses. But I don't know. Something about the way all the kind of nods to the first appearance. I just thought this was really clever. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. It was actually probably my favorite issue of the series so far. Really? Yeah. I thought the jokes were good. I thought just the Easter eggs and what they were kind of copying and doing funny homages to was good. I even liked the little part at the end where Phantom L is sweet and gives uh, X-23 the old Wolverine shirt. Yeah, I liked this one quite a bit. I'm going to actually, I'm going to give this one five out of six claws. Wow. Yeah. You probably found it more annoying than me, so when are you going to grade it? It's getting a two out of six. Okay. I had a feeling we might be pretty different on that one. Yeah. I just, uh, oh my goodness. I just, when he snicked himself in the head, I was like, yes. Does this mean he's gone for good? And then you informed me that he has the healing factor, and I went, damn. I was not happy about that one. All right. Well, that takes us to Wolverines, number 14. We switch off to Ray Fox, Salvador, uh, as the writer, sorry. Salvador LaRocca is the artist. Sonia Obach is the colorist. He sees Corey Pettit. Still doing those letters. And like we said, the cover by Gillian March. On the cover, we have uh, X-23 inexplicably riding piggyback on Dawkins. You mean Katy Perry. (laughs) I am the tiger. I'm going to hear you roar. Yeah, she's roaring. Yep, she is. And, of course, there's some shadowy swords that they're charging into. I agree. Not real sure about X-23's face. That said, of this month of March. Oh, oh no, it's April. Gilliam should have done all the covers for March and not for April. Okay. Opportunity missed. Because his last name is March, get it? Oh, ha ha. 
I don't like this cover at all. Okay. Well, I was going to say of the four March covers in the month of April, no, don't get confused. This is my favorite. See, I, Kitty, er, Kitty, 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 Kitty Cat. Yeah. No, I was about to call her Katy Perry. <laughs> Kitty Perry. Yeah. Kitty Perry. There's just weird stuff going on. Like her arm is not in proportion. And her oh, no, her jaw. back is broken. Yeah. Sure. yeah, no doubt. And she's decapitated. Yeah. The compare, I just compared to the, ne- not to give too much away, but this Dawkin is the best Dawkin he draws. <laughs> eh, I kind of yeah. like the next one. Okay, we'll, we'll wait till we get there. Um, Hold your horses. It won't take as long. So we find out more about Mystique's subplot that I'm getting tired of. Just tell us what's going on already. Dawkin gets mad and decides to go after Siphon, and X-23 follows him. They fight Siphon, Blade's there. Um, we find out that Siphon, Siphon gets dumber as he uses his healing factor. That's why he needs more. Then back at the uh, base, the old home base, uh, some guy that I don't know named Portal shows up. He looks like he has a Dark Hawk helmet. Remember that guy? But none of the rest of the costume. Actually, he kind of looks like a cross between Dark Hawk and Solo, if you remember that guy from Amazing Spider-Man. Anyway, they make Siphon matter. Uh, what do you think of the art in this one? Eh, middle of the road. Yeah, not LaRocca's best, I don't think. He's killing it right now on Darth Vader, but this is just so-so. What do you think of this story? I'm getting tired of this story. I won't lie. The whole Siphon thing. I hate Siphon. It's not just his powers. He also looks dumb, and not just because of the art. Like It's just a poor design. Well, and I feel like they brought Blade in because Blade needs to sell more comics. Like, what the hell? We've had a lot of random appearances in this series. He's just another one. Yeah, but he's like completely random. Well, well, Siphon was going after vampires because they can heal. So he was sucking their healing factor the way they suck blood. Ooh. I want to, su- I want to suck your healing factor. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, no. I don't know. Uh, here, a little plug. I, uh, I guess by the time this comes out, it'll be a c- two or three weeks ago. I was... Uh, on the Inner Comics podcast as a guest. Uh, if you remember uh, Jack and Dan from that show, were on our Secret Wars flashback episodes that were awesome. And so we completed the crossover. I went over there. Or not, I didn't, I didn't go over to England. But um, no, he didn't. Via Skype, I wouldn't let him. Yeah. But I was on the podcast, and the week this came out, and um, sadly, you know, on that show, they talk about best and worst comics of the week. And Wolverine's number 14 was my worst comic that week. I do not like this issue at all. Yeah, it's... uh, I'm just over it. It's just boring. I'm just... Yeah, I'm just... I'm sick of it. I'm tired of it. I don't care about what's going on. This issue particularly with Siphon and and Dawkins' whole thing. I just do something. And and LaRocca just drew him like he was Wolverine. Yeah. He's got the, the massive mutton chops and his hair is long, which his hair can grow out. But we'll get another version of that later that's much better. And I'll talk about it when we get there. But it just doesn't make sense that he looks like this. No, I agree. So I gave Wolverine's number 14 one out of six claws. Well, and when are they going to carterize his stump? Like, there's... Maybe they did. I don't know. No. In all the pictures where he, if he doesn't have a bloody bandage, it's, it looks like a cartoon rump roast. It's, <laughs> it's red with a white bone. It's like, okay... That happened long enough ago that somebody needed to have some sort of like quickie operation right. and stitch that thing closed. All right. So what are you going to grade it? I gave it one out of six claws. 
I give it one out of six. Okay. Moving along to number 15, Ray Fox, riding two in a row this time, not doing the usual uh, square dance between him and Charles Soule. Juan Doe back on art, VC's Corey Pettit. Woohoo, swing your around and around. <laughs> Still doing the letters. Um, and March, of course, did the cover. I don't like this cover at all. Um, it's quote unquote sexy docking, walking around. Ye doggy. It's not, I don't mind that he's sexy. I just don't think the proportion looks right. Like, he looks weird to me. Thanks. And then there's this, like, red blob in the background of samurai bodies and random bloody footprints walking away, but not walking towards Dawkin. So it's just, I don't know. I just, I don't care for this cover. So Dawkin has how many claws? Two on the uh, top of the hand and one from the bottom of the wrist. So he still has three, like his daddy. Oh, okay. He does kind of look like Wolverine. Cowboy Wolverine. Yep. I'm a cowboy. Baby. With steel. Got my claw, 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 pop, pop, popping or something. I don't know. I don't care. Plus, it looks like he's got 40 abs. Oh, yeah. He's got 100 abs. Yeah, for sure. Those abs go for miles. All right. So we finish off with Siphon. Blaine's going to kill him, but X-23 says no. Uh, Mystique waxes poetic. Not really about her plan, whatever she's doing. Uh, blah, 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 blah. They go back and get Siphon. Dawkin no longer trusts the team. Mystique, as Dawkin, tries to talk to X-23, and she says, Nope, I know it's you, Mystique, and you want to know how I know? I'll never tell. And then she walks off, and Mystique says, All right, let's do this. What do you think of the art? Eh. Uh. Yeah, meh. Yeah. What do you think of the story? <laughs> That's how poetically I'm going to put it. Yeah. I'm uh, over this story. Me too. Something needs they, to happen. And they, something real. Not just a lame twist just to throw a curveball. Like something actually needs to transpire yeah. in this soon. Well, and it's like, ooh, Mystique's up to something. Yeah, Mystique's up always to, up yeah. to something. Right. I mean, who cares at this point? Uh, when are you going to grade Wolverine's <laughs> number 15? One out of six. Give it a two just to be different. Okay, two out of six claws. That was easy. You see how much we love this. <laughs> All right, number 16. Hail to the Wolverine. We're back to Charles Soule. This is a weird credit in this one. Ario Anandito does enhanced pencils. And I'm not sure how they're enhanced. How does that mean? <laughs> or what they're enhanced with. Maybe, you know, there's, there's the, the thing where Kiss... In their comic book, and they put some of their blood in the ink. Oh, maybe he's sitting maybe there. Maybe there's some Wolverine blood in this ink. Or some cocaine. Maybe it's scratch and sniff. <laughs> oh, I'm so high. Now, what happens when you do coke? I've never done coke. True confessions of an undruggy. I'm trying to scan through this to see if I can tell what enhanced pencils mean. I guess they're digitized. I don't know. It kind of looks like when Brandon Peterson did that, uh, what was that Christian book he did um, with the girl and the, the white boobs and the little vest? What? <laughs> before your time or before your comic time. Um, I don't remember, but it kind of was like that to a degree. Not as digital. And also kind of some of his faces. Like there's a, a middle page of Mystique where he, she looks like Law of Lifefield drew her. That's, that's not enhanced for sure. Anyway, we find out that our Weapon X guys are expiring. Uh, Shay, Sh- Shogun, 
Shogun is getting weird nosebleeds. Uh, Freak is getting an arm cancer. So then our other guys, our, our uh, Weapon X reject traitors, are attacking the, what, what's the name of this place called? Arcadians in Rome. And they're fighting, and uh, they get captured. And, of course, this makes the evening news. And our Weapon X rejects see it. And, they want to, and uh, Freak wants to go save them. He says... I know they betrayed us and they went with Sinister, but it was mostly just Nero. Scale and, and uh, Indo aren't bad. Like, they're our family. We should help them. And this version of Dawkins, for whatever you want to say about the art later, I like because, yes, his hair is growing, but it's like a shaved head stubble with a mohawk. Like he's growing it out. Like it's happening. It's in the middle. And his sideburns are growing out. Like it's not suddenly he looks like Wolverine. He's like, oh, I'm going to grow some mutton chops like my dad, but it's going to take a little bit of time. And I'm going to grow my hair out, but it doesn't happen immediately. So I like that. So Mystique talks about, she interrogates this portal guy. They, of course, captured Siphon. They have him. Sabretooth smiles really big. X-23 says, you know what? Freak, I'll help you go rescue your friends. And Mystique says, no, no, you won't. And Sabretooth says, okay, count me in too. Which was my favorite part of the issue. Um, and Doc is like, well, yeah. Then Lady Deathstrike says, uh, y'all pissed off Mystique. She's going to be really bitchy, so I'm going to come too. So they go to the Arcadian Island in the Gulf of Mexico in their invisible Wonder Woman jet. They show up and they fight the Arcadians, but it turns out they're just made out of foam and or, according to Sabretooth's fingers, possibly cum. Um, I can't believe you went there. That's what it looks like. When he's squeezing it between his fingers, it looks like uh, he just spooged all over his hands. Um, How about we say he's trying to get pregnant and he's checking his cervical mucus? Gross. <laughs> I don't know why that's so much grosser than a masturbation joke, but it is. <laughs> um, no, but it kind of reminds me, too, of uh, something about Mary when he gets the, uh, the spooge okay. in his hair and he thinks it's moose. Or hair gel or whatever. So Sabretooth's sniffing it. So anyway, they're like, oh, this is a trap. Something stinks. And it's not all It's course. not all just a jism laying around on the deck. Um, <laughs> this is going to be Georgie's favorite part of the episode, just FYI. Oh, my goodness. My jubilee. <laughs> um, oh, my. So they go inside. They see the Arcadians are already dead. And then Mystique's like, hey, guys, get out of there. Uh, hollow feed jamming detected. So she can no longer talk to her team. Because they don't realize they need to get the freak out of there. Yeah. And plus it says no entry. Read the door, people. Come on. Jeez. Dang. Dang. So then uh, Nero, who's put on a lot of weight, and uh, Scale and Endo show up in their classy new sinister suits. And a Nero, man, he's, he's... He gained some weight. Yeah, he's got a fat head now, too. And then, finally, something remotely interesting happens. And um, a bunch of bald guys show up, and they pop some docking claws. And so we have a bunch of docking clones. Yeah, they're going to have to fight that. And, of course, Mr. Sinister shows up at the end. And we might actually be going somewhere, maybe. But it took till the last two pages to get there. I'm confused when Indo trying to tell docking. All right, so first of all, we have our sideways panel of multiple snicks. And Dawkins like, those, those are mine. Duh. Well, I mean, they're clones of you. Right. And he well, says, he's talking about how the, it's two he claws. He says, no, they're, they're clones. And uh, 
they, like soon all of you, belong to Sinister. He's basically just talking trash. Oh. He's saying, these clones belong to Sinister, and soon so will all of you. Wow. <laughs> 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 Is it over yet? Yeah. So what do you think of the enhanced art? Um, I was digging it. Yeah, it was fine. Wasn't I liked bad. it. A couple of weird faces every now and then, but nothing too bad. So overall, I, I enjoyed it. Um, what do you think of the story? It's finally going somewhere. Yeah, it felt like a little step up. Yeah. Yeah. How, how much of a step up? When are you going to grade Wolverine's number 16? I'm going to give it four out of six. Okay, I'm going to give it three out of six claws. I didn't really care for the whole Arcadian battle. And I don't really... Like this reason that they went... Like I I love that X-23 wants to be the good guy. Like she is a good guy. And I like that Sabretooth kind of gave his middle finger to Mystique. I just didn't... I don't buy that they would go try to rescue them. Like, I guess, yeah, Freak wants to be the good guy, but... I will say they did say something from the perspective of the reader in this issue. They're talking about how, you know, we went on this mission to get Wolverine's body to try to, to try to fix ourselves. And we, we ended up teaming up with these guys and we've just been carried around by all their BS. And I kind of feel like as the reader, we started off with this premise and we keep following around all this BS that doesn't do anything. And now we're finally getting back to the premise of now, the whole stupid series. You know what series. I feel like? What? I feel like they had 20 issues, but a storyline that only fit 10. Or less, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. This this is just a perfect example, another example, in the long list of examples of why weekly series are a bad idea. You just can't, you can't keep the momentum. It's too close together for whatever reason for every issue to mean something, and it's just, just a waste of time. I think they should do like Walking Dead. Once a month or twice a month. Well, yeah, that's what most comics do, yeah. All right, well, that's uh, Wolverines for the month of April. Hey, hey, we're the Wolverines. People say we snicked around, but we're too busy healing for anyone to keep us down. That's my Bob Dylan there at the end, yeah. Oh, my goodness. Moving on. Moving on. Okay, next up, we have our Black Vortex rap party. Didn't I have a song for this? Uh, I see your vortex and, and I, I want it to be black. black. I think that's about as far as you got. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but hey, that's enough. It's nice, succinct, to the point even. Yep. So we have two issues we're going to talk about. Uh, X-23 was not in all these parts, but we'll talk about the one she was. That's going to be uh, chapter 12 and... Well, they don't call it chapter 13, but for... All intents and purposes, it is. Oh, yeah, they do on the inside. Okay. Uh, no, never mind. So I was chapter- like, what? Mine says chapter 12. Chapter 12 and chapter 13, which will be Legendary Star-Lord number 11 and Black Vortex, I'm sorry, The Black Vortex Omega. Okay. So Omega. Black Vortex chapter 12, which is Guardian of the Galaxies and the X-Men. It's Legendary Star-Lord number 11. Why does mine say this? That's who's in the book. This is a crossover between the Guardians and the X-Men. Sorry, helps if I'd read the cover and not the inside. Yeah. So the writer is Sam Humphreys. Pencils is by Paco Medina. 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 There's an N in there. Sorry. Inks is Juan Val... Velasco. Velasco. David Curiel does the colors. (laughs) VCs Joe Caramagna does the letters. And Paco does the cover. 
Now let's talk about the cover. I like the cover. I do too, and I pointed out to you it so it's like a card. Like a playing card, but yeah. with a tarot card kind of background. Yeah. You have kind of this art nouveau, wouldn't that be right? Yeah. Kind of in the background. Not in the foreground's not really at all. Well but and, the background is. Right, and it's interesting that you say tarot because um they have a the moon in the lower right hand corner and the stars are all around, which is very tarot-ish. Yeah, but also Art Nouveau-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, so in the foreground, though, we have the black vortex kind of, not quite diagonally, but at an angle across the front. And then on either side, we have Star-Lord and Mr. Knife. And Mr. Knife's upside down, so it kind of gives it a playing card feel, like a king or a queen. All right, so take us home. What happens at the end of the black vortex? So at the, where we... Last we, took off. Yeah, the whole planet of Spartax, Spartax was covered in wax. Yeah, it was covered really in an amber. amber. Yeah. And the bruise. And festoids. Yeah. We're going to burrow into everybody's head and lay eggs. Yep. And then they were going to hatch out of the eggs, and then universal domination was going to happen. Hell yeah. Not just world domination, nah, universal domination. But towards the end of the last issue, Kate. Kitty was able to phase out. Of her amber, yeah. Yeah. And so this is kind of where we take off. Kitty is sort of what are, little amber pieces floating around her and has everybody's little heads on it. And we have the, this whole issue is basically most of it is Kitty's mental dialogue and how much she hates space. Yeah, she says, I hate space. Space is not my scene. It is so not my jam. Space jam! Who says that? Nobody. I didn't think so. So basically... I believe I can fly. (laughs) That's not a song, right? Isn't that from Spaceship? So Gene is telling Magic, Magic, right? Uh Uh-huh. Where to go so that she can attack... The Slaughter Squad. Yes. So the Festoids are chewing on the Amber Heads. Storm um, gets cut off. Lots of fighting. And then uh, Captain Marvel shows up fresh from her issue with the Black Vortex in tow. And the whole time Kitty's talking about her plan. She has yep. plan A and she has plan B and yep. she hopes she doesn't have to go to plan B. Cause well, we know she will. Yeah. So, so right behind Captain Marvel is... Gara. Is that how you pronounce her name? Sure. You know as much as I do. All right. Gara and or Gara. The Elder of the Universe. She's the 12 billion year old person who is supposed to protect the Black Vortex. And by protect, we mean destroy. Yes. But Storm uh, shoots them with the lightning um, and Jean reaches for the mirror. Jean decides she's got to save everyone. She's got to take on the cosmos. Yes. And right before she says, yes, I'll do it, Peter pulls her up in a very weird embrace. It's an oddly sexual pose. It is. And Jean's... Or at least like a... Maybe, maybe not sexual. It's very dirty dancing. <laughs> no, it's... He's about to bend her over and do stuff to her. <laughs> yes. And of course, Kitty says how sweet it is. Yes. And Kitty needs he to. He says, uh, uh, and then my dumb boyfriend stop. does something really dumb, really adorable, but really dumb. So other than the not my jam part, I kind of like Kitty's internal dialogue. Yeah, I do too. So Peter decides he's going to take on the cosmos because <laughs> he's the man about town. Right, and in the reflection, he sees his Sup, cosmic bro? potential. 
finger gunning at himself, like Shooter McGavin style. Oh my going, gosh. Sup, bro? And he's got the like so the basically, radiated sunglasses. What 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 killed me the most about this issue is basically uh, Star Lord's cosmic potential is to be a complete douche. Yes. What does that say? <laughs> yeah. And so he sees that he's surrounded by women, but Kitty sees him, and so Kitty walks <laughs> so away. So Kitty phases in the door, but also looks like Han Solo and Carbonite. Yes. <laughs> and then she cries and leaves, and, and Peter's like, no, I don't want that. So he says, no, I'm not going to do it. Right. So Kitty's like, well, you know what? You know what this means? Because I really don't want to do that, or I really don't want to do this. So this is what I got to do. Yeah, and then we get to the only part of this issue I don't really like. This Gara Gara girl, the 12 billion year old, is like, I must destroy this at all costs. No one can touch it. Those of you that have already touched it are tainted and your lives are ruined and no one else can touch this. And Kitty's like, but really, I think I should. And she's like, okay, if you think you can handle it. <laughs> what? Yeah, that, that makes made no, sense. no sense at all. But I guess we needed it for, you know, plot. Yeah. And so Kitty decides she's going to um, jump on in there and she does. And Kitty becomes Cosmic Kitty. Yeah. She basically becomes what appears to be the stars, the universe. Yeah. Yeah. She's super, super Cosmo. Supernova. Uh, super Cosmo, 12 tips for sex. Right? Oh That's my what Cosmo goodness. is all about, right? <laughs> 12 tips for having the best O you can ever have. The cleanest vagina on the planet or something. I don't know. Oh my um, goodness. Uh, in case you can tell, I don't read a lot of Cosmo. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. What do you think of the art in this one? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. Of course, yeah. I like, I like Paco Medina. So, no complaints here. Uh, colors went really nice. Yeah, so. I love Kitty's internal dialogue. Yeah. So, what are you going to grade it? So, uh, Legendary Star-Lord number 11, I will give five out of six claws. I, too, am going to give five out of six. All right, so the Black Vortex Omega. Where's the Alpha? We already did it. That was the first chapter one. <laughs> I'm teasing. The Alpha and the Omega. I'm sure that's why they did that. All right, so moving on to chapter 13. We have Guardians of the Galaxy and the X-Men, the Black Vortex. Yep, who does this one? So we have writer is Sam Humphreys. All right. Pencils is Ed McGinnis and Javier Garon. Garon. Inkers are Mike Farmer. Mark Farmer. Mark Farmer. Sorry. Javier Garon and Ed McGinnis. Marte Gracia does the colors and Travis Lanham does the letters. And the cover is by McGinnis, Farmer, and Gracia. Notice how he gets tired of me mispronouncing names, so he I'm just takes trying over. To, I'm just trying to help. Yeah. Uh-huh. So on the cover we I have... I like a, butchering their names. <laughs> I'm just trying to spare you the agony. Oh. I'm going, um, uh, uh, uh. um. On the cover, we have a giant black vortex with a, cos- <laughs> with a, co- a cosmic kitty reflected in the re- in the mirror. What do you think of the cover? I love this cover. Yeah, it's not bad. Do you not like it? I like it. I, I like love, how she's love like, might be a strong word for me. I love how she's standing over it and there's like death underneath her. Yes. So, back on the planet with the infestoids are about to chew through the amber and reach the brains. But Kitty has disappeared. They've lost her to the cosmos. Right, okay. So, we see our other cosmically powered heroes fighting the slaughter squad in space. And then we see naked Kitty, naked cosmic Kitty. 
Yeah. And it's funny that they, I thought they were going to put a planet over her JJ, but I guess they're not worried about it. I mean, you can't. It's not, it's not really a JJ. When you're cosmic powered, you have no sex organs. But um. So she can't have a cosmic big one? She can't have actually, a big bang? That'll, that'll, turn, <laughs> <laughs> that'll turn out to not be the case, as we'll see later. I have um, been trying to slide that in. <laughs> I'm glad you got it. Um, so she talks about how she's touched all the... She can now traverse the multiverse. So she's touched all the other kitties from everywhere. She's touched. I touched myself. <laughs> she did, literally. Touched all of herself. Pan-dimensionally. But yeah, she's now taking a star bath. And uh, she sees an image that makes her uh, kind of focus. And it's a shadowy couple. They're trying to hide it, but we know who it is. It's Kitty and Star-Lord. Right. And, but she knew when she saw that what she had to do. Yep. So there's more fighting until you figure out what Lots she has to do. Lots of fighting between Ronan, wants to fight everybody, and then something really cool happens. Kitty phases the planet. Well, she phases the amber shell off of the planet, which I didn't realize it actually encased by the atmosphere and everything, but it is a cool image. Yeah. No, I actually kind of like that solution. Yeah. Because she phases it and then she smushes it. Right. Killing all the infestoids with it. Yeah. Hooray, everybody saves the day. X-23 actually gets a line in this one. She says, finally, my claws were cramping up on me. And then uh, 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 Corsair says, we're free birds, baby, and does the rock hands in the air. Oh, my goodness. Yep. And everyone looks up to the sky and sees Kitty's face at the sunset. <laughs> and they say, yay! I kind of wish her face would have been more made out of clouds. Or like, something. It looked a little instead cheesy. Instead of yeah. just a pencil drawing. Then we get maybe my favorite panel of the book. I love, like... <sighs> and I'm going to credit most nominated? of it to the colors. Nominated for what? I don't know. Like, best panel? Best, <laughs> like, artistically drawn most beautiful. I like it a lot. And I can't tell if this is uh, McGinnis or Garone. But either way, it looks great. And I credit Gracia a lot because the colors on this page make it. Yeah. I mean, she just looks fantastic. Yeah, so basically it's giant cosmic kitty uh, caressing the planet of Spartax. Yeah. Like a child. I mean, she looks very motherly, matronly. Yeah. Looks great. And I love how, like, their moon all or their sun is in her chest, so it's, like, yeah. her heart. Right, yeah. And then, like, the top of her is, like, white and blue, and then she fades into, like, pink and purple and, like, midnight blue. It just looks really, really, really cool. Well, and I also love, so I know we joke it's Naked Kitty, but I do like how it's just a feminine shape. Like, right. they use the colors to put a little bit of detail, like... In her, like, where her really. leg, well, like, where her leg and her stomach. Oh, there is a, that's the only crease, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know, it's just the idea that that's it. Like, everything kind of flows together. Um, you have a couple different shades of purple to define her arm. But I just sort of love that basic feminine shape, and she doesn't have big boobs. Right, like yeah, they're just kind of normal. Yeah. Good job, whoever Good did job. it. So the Slaughter Lords go, Slaughter Lords don't run away. Let's run away. Hurry. Um, and the black vortex is sitting on the ground. Yeah. And Gara, or whatever her name is, is Gets like... bug eyes. Yeah. She's like, well, so it can't be destroyed. 
which she's been saying she's been trying to destroy it the whole time. When did she say that? Oh, she does say that. <laughs> she says it must be bound. But before I run away with it, uh, if you guys want to change back, um, you won't go back to how you were. And some of you will get better. Some of you might get worse. But, you know, if you don't want to be cosmic, this, then you can, uh, you can change back. So everyone decides to change back but Kitty. No, not everyone. Angel does not. Gamora does not. Yeah, but... Beast is like, I've made a horrible mistake. Oh, I was thinking of Cyclops. I cannot face this reality in this form. As much as I love stroking the cosmos, I must go back to my normal self. And so Groot, feminine Iceman, oddly enough, there was a foreshadowing in this story, and Beast, old Beast, Cyclops, and Groot all return. I thought Nova got... Cosmic up, did he not? No, remember he he asked like a ton of questions and decided that he didn't want to do it. Right. Okay, so Beast goes back to old Beast. Cyclops looks normal. Uh, Young Iceman turns into more like 90s Iceman. He goes, hey, I'm a talking ice cube. (laughs) And then Groot. Don't really love this new Groot design. No. I kind of hope the in Guardians they ignore it. I'm and draw him the way they have been. I'm sure they will. So. So then, then we, we go back. We have our classic celebration party. And Kitty and Peter are out, sort of dancing among the stars. Yeah, and he's singing some Disney uh, love songs to her. Yeah. Trying to. And he gets down on one knee and oops. Oh, he proposes. He pops the question. Yeah. The collector shows up. He missed the vortex. But hey, look, there's uh, King Jason still enclosed in amber. That'll be worth something. Yep. So and then everyone's on the ship trying to figure out if Kitty said yes or no. Uh, we get a sidebar with Thane deciding he's going to go full on universal conqueror instead of, you know, healer prophet that he was. Um, Gara runs off with the Black Vortex. Kitty and Peter do some extreme crying. It's raining in space. Yep. And then uh, all the X-Men and Guardians are yelling at each other, trying to figure out what Kitty says, and then they make out. And they're like, oh, she said yes, yay! And everybody cheers. Storm. <laughs> and one of my favorite little uh, interactions, watching you be Storm, I'll be Rocket. Okay, well, Rocket, we'll be seeing each other sooner rather than later. Oh, jeez. Thanos will stumble across the Phoenix Force, or Mantis will get kidnapped by the Shi'ar, and we'll have to, uh, ugh, team up again. No, silly, for the wedding. Want to be my date? Oh! <laughs> Wouldn't you just creepy? I know uh, Storm recently, I mean, her last dead boyfriend was a short, hairy guy. But I think Rocket Raccoon may be a little extreme in actual bestiality. Yeah. Or maybe she's put him in the friend zone. Or maybe she's got to put him on on a leash for the date. So did you cry? Did I cry? When you proposed to me? You were there? No. Bullshit. I I was emotional. I didn't cry. Bullshit. Your eyes teared up. Oh, I got choked up. Yeah. I did it. I did an extreme cry, <laughs> like like Peter's about to drown in his own tears. But anyway, uh, they make out, they go off, and the end. The end. Uh, what did you think of the art? I thought it was decent. I, I liked it. Overall, it was really good. Yeah, I liked it. 
What do you think of the story? The end of the Black Vortex. Not everything is back as it was. There's actually some changes here. Yeah. Um, I'm okay with it. I feel like they went a really long way to get to point B. Okay. Well, um, we know Kitty's going to stay in space. <laughs> My voice cracked. And um, I, I, so do you like the engagement? I do, but if she's going to stay in space, then how are they going to get married and have space babies? Because he's always in space. Well, so now they get to stay together. She's going to stay with the Guardians. Oh. Uh, how long they last before Secret Wars does something else. <laughs> before all this gets undone. <laughs> so now Kitty is a Guardian of the Galaxy? Yeah, it looks like that way. So um, Kitty's no longer an X-Men? Well, I mean, once an X-Man, always an X-Man, but she's doing something else for now, just like Cyclops did for a little bit. Okay. And Cyclops is going home, it looks like. But yeah, I liked, I thought overall it was a nice little ending. I mean, we knew the Black Vortex was a nice, fun adventure story. Like, it wasn't super serious. It didn't have the weight of, like, Hickman's Avengers run or what Secret Wars might have. It was just a nice, fun little series, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I thought this was a good ending to it. Yeah, sure, it tied everything up, but we knew it was going to. And, you know, a a bow was expected. And I thought there were enough things that were different that it was cool. I liked the relationship. I liked the engagement between Kitty and Peter. Uh, It works for me. So, yeah, this will be... uh, We'll have some more romance when we get to all new X-Men. So this is going to be a romance-filled episode. But, um, yeah. So I'm going to give Black Vortex Omega... Uh, I'll give it five out of six claws. I was I was between a four and a five, but I'll go five. I'll give it five out of six because I like the little happy ending. Yeah, and I love man. I, I sing Marte Gracia's praises all the time, but the colors in this issue are amazing. So cool. Well, that's uh that's it from Black Vortex. It's a wrap. It's a wrap. I see a vortex and I wanna paint it black. Okay. All right. So next up we have, hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? (laughs) We got a couple of things to talk about. We'll start off with Amazing X-Men number 19, the once and future juggernaut epilogue, Enough. Written by Christopher Yost, art by Jorge Fornes, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, Jorge Fornes, or Farnese, I don't know, does the covers. Pretty cool cover. We got a big shadowy juggernaut, and then Colossus kind of with his back to us, standing up to him. It's a nice cover. I like the colors on it, particularly like the red and yellow and orange kind of around juggernaut shadow. Looks really cool. Then the other X-Men are strewn at, at their feet. So basically, there are Wolverine memories in this issue. Are we get some origin, kind of almost like scrapbook style, like, like a little uh, photo book, little panels. It talks about what Sidorak is and who Professor X is and like Kane's childhood and when he found the power and kind of parallels that with Colossus joining the X-Men. So in that, we see the first time the X-Men fought, or the first time the new giant-sized X-Men fought the Juggernaut. And we see when Wolverine joins the X-Men as well, among some other panels. I gotta say, I really like the way this guy's uh, new Juggernaut design. Looks pretty cool. So remember, uh, they were all after the new... Cinerac came back, and they were all after the power. Colossus was trying to get it to keep it from going to anybody else. But then uh, 
Sidorak tricked him, or Satorak, or however you say it, tricked him and gave it all to Juggernaut again, who originally didn't want it, but now he's fine with it. And they rip off his helmet, X-Men style, so they can hit him in the head, but lo and behold, he's all like red and still Juggernaut-y. And apparently he doesn't need the helmet anymore, he is the power of Sidorak incarnate. And we get a nice super panel where he says, I'm the unstoppable Juggernaut, as he slams his hands into the ground. It's a great panel. Looks Fantastic. And then they fight some more. Colossus says, you know what? I'm going to stop you. But he can't really. And he signs. And he kind of says, uh, what would Wolverine do? What's his little uh, WWWD bracelet? He decides Wolverine would cheat. So if he can't beat Juggernaut, he basically uh, literally knocks the ground out from under his feet. And sends him flying off a cliff. And Colossus falls with him. He's like, I will embrace my death. At least I beat the Juggernaut. He's like, oh, no, wait, I won't. And he grabs onto the ground, pulls himself up, lays down. The X-Men come and get him. Oh, by the way, back there somewhere, Juggernaut talked about how he was mad because uh, Cyclops killed his brother, the only person that ever cared for him or gave him a second chance in life. And they're implicit because they let it happen, the X-Men, that is. So he's going to kill everybody, but he's also going after Cyclops. So I actually look forward to that battle coming up if we're able to get that. This may all get nixed by Secret Wars. I have no idea. But um, anyway, we'll see. I, I hope we get to see it. I would very much like to see Cyclops and Havoc facing off against the Juggernaut, this new Juggernaut. That'd be pretty awesome. So the art was pretty good. The art in this little story arc has been kind of up and down, but this was a good issue. And the story, I felt like it was a good conclusion to this story. I kind of was excited about it, and then it kind of dipped a little bit in the middle, but then it kind of ramped back up at the end here, and I enjoyed it. It was just a nice juggernaut brawl, and um, kind of the, the backstories were nice, and the little photo album thing was cool. And yeah, just the idea that the juggernaut's different, even more unstoppable, and the art was nice. So I'm going to give Amazing X-Men number 19, 5 out of 6 claws. I, I enjoyed it. Also, Wolverine was kind of in uh, in the last issue of Deadpool, uh, which I did not buy. Um, a, not a huge Deadpool fan anyway, uh, overall. Like I said before, like him in small doses. And B, the damn thing is like $10. I actually really wanted to buy it because a lot of my favorite comedians do little short stories. Like uh, Scott Ackerman from Comedy Bang Bang does a backup story. And um, Jason Manzoukas, uh... Other people I can't think of right off the top of my head, but that I really like. But man, I just, I couldn't shell out the dough for it. I couldn't justify it in my comics budget. Uh, maybe I'll find it later on eBay when no one wants it anymore. <laughs> but um, apparently there's, there's part of it after the main story that is a Deadpool roast. And Wolverine is part of the roast. And I guess he's wearing like a Goblin Queen dress. So that's funny, I guess, question mark. I don't know. But um, anyway, I didn't read it, so I will give... I don't even remember, remember what number it is. Is it 250? I don't know. Anyway, I'll give it a uh, bone claw since I didn't read it. So I can't really fairly judge it. I did flip through it, but, you know, whatever. But anyway, that's... Uh, hey, remember when Wolverine was alive? All right, last but not least, it's time for our Wolverine Roundup. Yeehaw! Yeah, we have uh, X-23 is an all-new X-Men number 40. The infamous all-new X-Men number 40. Infamous. And then uh, Pussycat Sabretooth is an Uncanny Avengers number 3. 
All right, so I know a lot of you have probably only listened to this episode to hear us talk about this. <laughs> what? No way. So, uh, yeah, all new X-Men number 40, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Art by Mahmoud Azrar. Colors by Rain Barreto. Letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And then uh, Andrea Sorrentino and Marcello Maiolo do the cover. And on the cover, we have the island of Utopia. Uh, a sunset. We have some seagulls. And we have lots of water. And underneath the island in the water, it spells Utopians in a interesting little font. It's supposed to be the shadow of the island. Eh, kind of. No, it is. If the sun well, maybe it's supposed and... to be. It's kind of the shadow. <laughs> it's artsy. I it like it. I actually, yeah, actually, I like the cover a lot, too. It looks cool. All right, so there's really no plot in this to speak of. Uh, young Iceman's gay. Wow. <laughs> let's not build up to it. Let's no, just put let's, it out there. Let's, let's, get, let's dig in. Um, yeah, so uh, young Gene outs young Iceman. Bitch. Sorry. You can I, edit that out. No, it's fine. I Iceman says it too. I personally don't ever like calling women the B word, but... Well, I'm a woman, so... Yeah, so you can do it, what you want. Am I allowed? Is that that, like, because I, I am one, I can't... <laughs> I, I, can I don't know if that rule really actually applies. I think a lot of people would use that inappropriately, but whatever. Um, but I guess, you know, I call other nerds nerds, so maybe it's the same and thing. And you're a nerd. Yeah. So know. it's it's fine. Yeah. What did you say earlier today? You're... I don't know. Something to nerd Lots of things. You said something. You were like, I'm about to lose my nerd card or my nerd. Oh, because I, I said I I thought Stanley Kubrick was overrated. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I just put that out in the universe. In don't digi- edit that in out. digital permanence. I don't hate him. I just, he's not. We were talking about yeah. The Shining. Yeah. Meh. Has his moments. Looks good. Gave me nightmares for a week. Meh. I guess I was too old when I saw it. I was too young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a young Iceman's gay. Shall we discuss how it comes to pass that he's gay? Yeah, okay. So magic brings everybody hamburgers, which I'm assuming is, I don't know, it looks maybe like in and out It's got some sauce dripping off of it, two patties. Possibly. So, and they are in, no, they're not. This team's, in, well, where is this team? This team's in Canada. So I don't know where she, but she can teleport. So who knows where she went? Cyclops or someone make, oh no, Young Beast makes a joke about how you teleported into a fast food restaurant dressed like that. She's like, yeah, they give me all the food for free. Right, usually. And then uh, Ice, Young Iceman, Young Bobby says she's hot. Yeah, like he yells it. I salute our professor Unbelievable's hotness. Yeah. And then Gene's like, ah, Bobby. 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 Damn can it, we, Bobby. Can you, can you come over here a second? Like, I have to be a total, like, biatch right now. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, so she calls him out, says, why did you say she was hot? And young Iceman is like, she is. And Jean Grey's like, well, yeah. We all know that. She's like, yeah, but, you know... Iceman's all what you know like you're gay <laughs> like are you freaking kidding me right now yeah so of course Iceman gets pissed he's he like even, my older me is not gay 
Well, okay, that, so let's jump into that little nugget. Lots of theories going around about that and what it kind of means on whether this is actually a positive or negative thing. So there's the problem that's been pointed out. And I'm just going to say right now, I'm going to wait and see because business has promised this would be addressed in a, what will now be Uncanny X-Men 600, which is like number 30, whatever. But, you know, whenever big numbers come up, they go back to the old numbering. That's what we're going to do. Plus, this is the last X-Men issue. So, uh, and the last one before they, they start over after Secret Wars. So, um, it's going to be addressed. So, I will see how he addresses it. I trust him to handle it well. But some of the people that have pointed out a problem is if older Iceman is not gay at all. Right. Then this this kind of points to well maybe it's just a phase or you know he can change or you know whatever and then it's a choice then it is a choice and I don't think you can my personal viewpoint is I don't think you control who you're attracted to no I agree with that you can experiment right and like you know all girl not okay let me back up I've never done that but. <laughs> My roommate once kissed a girl just to see. Did she like it? (laughs) No, she didn't. But she wanted to experience what it was like. Right. But that's not being gay. No. And choosing to have behavior is not choosing to be something. So in that respect, it's not a choice. Right. So it's problematic then, unless he comes up with some way to say these aren't really the same people, which is definitely a possibility, that the timeline has changed or been er irrecoverably in disrepair and the older Iceman is not really the same Iceman or this is not the same like you know whatever right in that the case same. they're different people and it doesn't matter but I think the more the better options are of course a lot of people even in this issue they point out that uh, older Iceman's heterosexual relationships have not gone so well right <laughs> and that you know because it's easier. always in denial he's still in the closet and he, right and young Iceman even ta- even says in this issue, like, maybe just being a mutant and gay was too much. Right. <laughs> that, Which was, I actually, that was too many things to be, you know, to try to come out as at the same time. So. Well, and I will admit, you know, because we're, we're teeter-tottering on this, like, you know, this, this situation where, you know, even in our world where if you're... Italian and you're gay or you're black and you're gay like there are certain nationalities that you know it's like oh gosh I'm the oldest son in an Italian family I can't be gay like there's that much family pressure you know and I and so I kind of enjoyed not enjoyed it's kind of a strong word I like that they're kind of they're going there like I'm a mutant so not only do I have being a mutant but now I'm gay on top of this in a society that doesn't even accept either of them right now. Right. And so... So it was easier to bury the one that wasn't... Right. And like, I, I couldn't bury being a mutant or not use my... Like, because I'm, I'm made of ice. Like, right. I can't hide. Ice powers can't really hide. Like, I can hide as a civilian to a degree. Right. But... So... That's kind of the main, the main quote-unquote problem is that is this really like a big stride forward if they don't reconcile the two? And I think it's a valid well, question. And he but, also brings up that maybe he's bi. Well, but they just missed that, or Gene does anyway. Yeah, 
Okay, and that's what pisses me off is she dismisses it. Right. Okay, it's not... Yeah, she can read minds, but if he thinks a guy is hot, like, he can think that a girl is hot, too. Like, I don't know. I It pisses me off that, first of all, she's going inside of other people's minds and calling them out. Yes. Okay, so, um, yeah, all sorts of wrong with that. Second of all, it's not her place. Like, you can't... I would never go up to a family member or a friend and be like, you know, you're gay, right? That person needs to discover it on their own, no matter how much you think it like they need to come to it on their own. I mostly agree with you. Um, I did read uh, a very, some very interesting series of tweets by a comic writer, uh, James Tenyon, the fourth, um, mostly DC guy. I think he did one issue of amazing X-Men. I actually, didn't didn't know he was gay, and I'm assuming from his tweets and the way he talked about it that he is. Um, and he talked about how sometimes people, and this is kind of one of those, there's someone I need to talk about, and that someone is me, you know? Right. Is <laughs> the way it overheard, ran, right? And the way it felt, but that especially people that are that are in a situation that's more likely to be deeply persecuted, that sometimes you need someone to help pull you out. Because you need the encouragement, you need the someone else to give you the courage and the bravery to do it. And I'm not, he, he even said that's not true for everybody. Right. But there are situations where you need someone close to you to give you that push and say, hey, come on, let's, yeah, let, let's talk about okay. the elephant in the room. No, I get that because <laughs> my brother, who's gay, Okay, I don't I don't know if you wanted to talk about that. No, we can talk yeah. about it. All right. I love my brother. Yeah, I do too. You know, when he told me he was gay, the first thing I asked him is, "Why do you think you're gay?" Not saying that I didn't think my brother knew, but I didn't want someone to have been like, "Dude, you haven't dated a girl ever. <laughs> you're gay." Right. And for him to believe it if it wasn't true for him like right. if it's true I wanted him to come to the realization and what I found out was my brother suspected it he actually got into a gay relationship to find out on his own discovered that while that relationship didn't work he was the, gay. the idea worked yeah yeah and he did he met a guy but that man helped my brother say okay you know who you are now you need to open up to your family. Like you can't hide this lifestyle. And so I admit that there needs to, it's oftentimes helpful when someone comes along and can help you navigate new waters. Right. But at the same time, I, she's not being like, Hey, uh, so that guy over there is checking you out. It's totally okay if you want to go talk to him. No, that's she's, not she's what she's being doing. Young Jean. She's being a biatch. Well, but to be fair, whatever you want to say about it, I feel like, and some of the criticism I read online that I disagree with completely is good or bad, this is in step with how Bendis has been riding Young Jean all along. She's been overstepping boundaries since she showed up. And so, to that respect, it's a char- it's a consistent character arc. Like it or hate it, I personally think it's kind of annoying, but at least like it feels real. 
And it well, feels like this is who, who she is in this incarnation. And I, I get that. If this is who she is in this incarnation and this is her path and she's, she's just overstepping gonna, <laughs> gonna and wreck she's shop. oversharing yeah. and whatever you want to call it, that's fine. It fits with her character. I don't like Jean to begin with. <laughs> right, so, of so. course, when she heard doing this just added fuel to the fire <laughs> and made me want to hate her even more. I just want to, like, gouge her eyes out and poke her with little sticks. Wow, okay. I don't like her. I think she is a complete and utter, like, she is a... She's a mean girl, but not. No, that's not right. That's not right. No, that's it is right. That's too easy of a pop culture reference. Um... No, she's not mean. She's just she has careless. no filters. She's careless. No, I'm sorry. Jean Grey, who flirted with Cyclops, flirted with Wolverine, couldn't <laughs> decide between the two. That's not careless. That's, that's the movie. I don't give a rat's <laughs> ass. She is flippant. No, I'm sorry. We read a flashback where she's like, Wolverine, don't yes, go. No, I, I know. I know. Okay, I'm sorry. She that's not careless. That's I'm gonna see who I can toy with to get what I want, and that's exactly what she's doing here with Bobby. I'm gonna call it the way it is, and I'm just being honest. I hate that. I'm sorry if you ever say that to your friends. I'm just being honest. You need to be shot, and not just shot. You need to be put on your knees and taken out. I'm sorry, but that's ridiculous. There's one thing from being honest. And taking your friends into consider their feelings, their emotions, and their relationship with you into consideration. It's, ah, I, oh, she, oh, I, this whole, I, I get it. It's in her persona. I don't like the way, Bobby should have just been like, F you, Jean, stay out of it, and, and scene. And she just needed to go, what? What? What did I do wrong? And everyone needed to flip her the bird and move on. <laughs> I'm done. Okay. And rant. But they hug it out, so. No. And that's the <laughs> worst part. He gives her a hug. I'm like, no. And then they joke about something. What is well, they that? joke about Angel, which I thought was really funny. So Bobby's like, so, uh, you think Angel's gay? <laughs> like, <laughs> say yes, please say yes. Use your mind powers. Um, that was pretty she's funny. Like, no, he's like, oh well, he's too pretty anyhow, and she's like, yeah, it's annoying. Okay, that part was funny, and the whole triclops was funny. Triclops. Triclops. Oh, sorry, tyclops. Tyclops. My favorite part was the icy face palm. That was my favorite yes. part of the whole issue. I and the fact that Jean's hand was like a foot <laughs> in that same panel. The shadow of her fist was like a I foot with a big toe. I saw that. <laughs> I just I. I don't know. I those parts were funny, but okay. See, to be but honest, Iceman's like though, like I needed this, and I guess my no. point. My, I guess my point going back to what uh, JT Four, as the cool kids call him, said is that some people do need it, but not her. Not from her. Okay. Um, so if it was X twenty three and she just saw Iceman and looking at like the thing. Play if it was X twenty three, X twenty three would have been like, dude. Let's go uh, hit up a bar tonight. You see that guy well, over there? Yeah, but that's the thing. People He's keep, cute. What do you think? People were talking about how she outed him to everybody, but she only outed him to the reader. Like, they're off by themselves. No one else knows what's well, going on. And yes, I will say... Like, it's even, not like she told all of the teammates, oh, Iceman's gay. Well, and there's even a, a panel where everyone's like, what well, do you think's going, going on? on yeah. And so... And B says, I choose to eat. 
Yes. Well, and here's the thing. Yes. Had she done it in front of everybody? Oh, then she's totally wrong. Totally she, wrong. And inexcusably. Yeah. yeah. But she does call him off to the side. She just, I, she did it all wrong. You know, had she been like, hey, Bobby, let's go for like a walk and a talk. And they start walking and they start talking. And she's like, so Angel's cute, right? <laughs> and then. He's got a nice bum bum. Yeah, like, and and seeing where the conversation goes, but instead she's like, why do you say that? Because, uh, like, you're gay. Why, why do you say that? That That's just, ah, uh, I would have, yeah, the whole thing should have gone down differently, and I get that this is Jean's character and her story arc, and she does this all the flipping time. It's just more fuel to the fire why I don't like her. But... I, I didn't like where Bobby was like, no, 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 leave me alone. Shut the F up. Okay, let's hug it out. W- what? Well, the end result is that Iceman is gay. And, and, I, Jean and him and Gene are friends. Right. And I think that it does kind of make sense for his character. I trust Bendis to kind of show us that this is natural and not just headline grabbing. Well, and didn't I say in some podcasts, I don't know if you've edited it out, didn't I say that I suspected Iceman was bi? You may, I don't remember if it was Iceman or Beast. That's, that's uh, something the Danger Room podcast has in common as well. They, they said from the beginning that uh, Old School Beast was gay. And then they, they said they called this, and I think they said some things about Iceman too, but I know they said it about Beast. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch for his character. No. And fact- I think in that regard, it's cool because it's not taking someone like I don't know. I think any of the original X Men. <laughs> um, it's not taking Wolverine and making him gay, which doesn't no. make any sense. No, that's like, not. Like I think you can take Cyclops or Beast or, <laughs> yes. or Angel or Iceman, any of those four, and it's not much of a stretch. Make, no. Other than the fact that um, you know Cyclops and the Gene thing, but that doesn't really seem to be happening um, anymore, which poses all kinds of interesting questions. But um, <laughs> who wants her? Well, exactly. But I knew, I think, overall, if it develops right and continues to be kind of natural and they do some kind of reconciliation with older Iceman, and I think this is a very positive thing. Um, I'm glad to see it overall. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, because we're going to have some unique opportunities here as we kind of get whatever happens post-Secret Wars, and there's all kinds of different ex-rumors um, from the ludicrous that they're being canceled, which they're not. So people are saying that can just shut up. Um, to a maybe more reason, reasonable, but definitely equally unfortunate uh, rumor that they may be kind of carved off into their own section of the Marvel Universe. Okay. They would suck. I mean, just because I like seeing them interact with other heroes as well. I think you can still tell good stories with just an X universe, but whatever. But anyway, the opportunity exists to kind of reshape some characters, but without throwing out the old. And I think this could be a good way to make a major, very popular character come out. I mean, because I love North Star. Like I actually like enjoy reading North Star. And but even when he came out. And it's funny, I, I think I discussed on the last flashback with Pat, reading old Alpha Flight, I feel like his sexuality was the worst kept secret in comics. <laughs> but <laughs> that said, even when he came out, it was kind of like, oh, 
there's that like C lister from Alpha Flight. Uh, I mean, it's cool. I'm glad it happened, but I think Iceman is a much. I mean, it's not Spider Man, obviously. Right. Like, it's not that high profile, but it's a pretty major character, especially in the scope of the X universe. I mean, and he's, he's been one of the original X Men, and yeah. so I think there's a potential to do some really good stuff here, and so I'm looking forward to reading it. And as shitty as maybe this was done, I thought it was a compelling read. I didn't think it was compelling. Oh, see, I mean, I thought, okay, here's Jean doing her Jean thing, and here's Bobby like, like, whoa, wait a second, and then like coming in turn, like being, all right, yeah, you're right. Like, I thought that was interesting. Um, but see, I guess what I missed in this is Bobby has such a witty retort. Like, he has such a dry sense of humor that... I kind of expected for him to sarcastically blow it off, and he doesn't. And so... He he tries to at first. I mean, he gets a little bit indignant. Yeah. Then he kind of jokes, and he's like, okay, you're right. Yeah, but at the same time, while he says, okay, you're right, he also is, like, trying to barter with himself. I kind of feel like they were trying to take... I don't think he's bartering with himself. I think... He addresses the questions that the readers are asking, but but does it in a way not like, oh, wait, we got to do this in continuity. But he does it like in a very existential crisis kind of way. Like if, and he says, how can I, or said, um, what does he say here? He says, how can my older self not be, but I am? And I think if you had a future self and they were vastly different from you, that would cause you a lot of stress a lot of concern, a lot of need to try to like rework some things in your head and maybe doubt yourself. Yeah, I can see that. But I, I guess I also sort of feel like in everything that life has thrown at me that if my future self 20 years from now <laughs> walked in and was like, I hate broccoli or whatever the case. <laughs> Not quite the same level, but okay, no, we'll go I'm with just, it. We'll go I with it. couldn't think of anything. So that's, you know... If they were completely different, From let's me. say let's say that they, your older self showed up and they were completely different religion. Yeah, I, do you think that would you don't think that would cause you a little bit to kind of say, oh well, I got there somehow. But see, I think that's the the thing is I would have the not the knowledge, but I would have the understanding that we are made up of our choices and situations. And I so agree, but my first instinct would be to sit down with her and go, what made you change? Yeah, but again, you're talking about something, though, that your life experience can change the way you believe things. I, I think we're, we're not comparing apples to apples. Well, I just I think you're you're in a really kind of dangerous place. If you're saying that your life choices can make you change your sexual preference. Well, no, because we're talking about religion, but I guess... Well, right, that's what I'm saying. No, so I, I like, guess what I'm trying to say someone is... someone in, in your future that was, or at least to your knowledge, not gay. And and that's the weird thing to me is Gene seems to kind of say, well, yeah, he's not. <laughs> like she, And as much as she reads people's minds involuntarily, you wonder if that's true or not. Yeah. I, I, I guess... I mean, if if you put yourself in young Iceman shoes, you see your older self, and maybe you're 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 closeted, you're struggling with maybe I'm not really comfortable with admitting this to myself yet. Oh, my future self's not, so I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna grow out of this. 
Yeah, but okay. So. Or I don't know how to reconcile it. Yeah, so. I, there's so many variables here. I guess what I guess my point is, I don't like how cram packed the conversation went. And I get there's only so many pages you have well, to. And that would be the criticism that like why is business doing this right before he quits the book? Yeah, and there I think. I personally trust Bendis to do something really interesting with this, but I see that I, I admit it's fair criticism. Yeah. I, I mean, how many pages is this whole conversation? Like three? No, it's, I mean, it's, let's see. One, One spread, two, two spread, three, four, three spread. Five. It's, I mean, it's five solid pages. Right, but in a book of how many pages? I, I think it's a pretty significant chunk. There, okay, yes. There is a significant chunk, but I kind of would have preferred the one of, page of it is all Jean making the same shruggy shoulder. Yeah, going uh, <laughs> hi, uh, you know. Yeah, but I kind of would have preferred instead of booking and book ending it with something and then something else and slapping this in the middle, what? that they just would have dedicated a whole book to it. Yeah, we're, we're it's book ended with plot. And then we have uh, character stuff in the middle. Yeah, but if you're, I don't know. I just feel like the five pages, one is just Gene making weird faces. So really, there's only four pages that we're discovering that this character is gay. And on top of all of that, it just seems, Gene's character of being nosy and bitchy seems in place for her. I don't feel like Bobby's reaction seems normal for Bobby. And that's... What's upsetting to me, and I think it melts in sarcastic exterior. Oh my goodness! <laughs> well, and then on top of that, we move from that to Angel. Okay, and yeah, so let's let's kind of close, not close the book. We'll see where it goes, but let's move on. I mean, this is the podcast that goes snicked, and yes. we have a, a burgeoning relationship with X twenty three and, and cosmic super cosmic angel. angel with his glowy wings, his light wings. Ooh. Which look a lot like one of my favorite ever X-Men covers of Joe Mad drawing the blue skinned angel with his light wings, which is an awesome cover. I kind of wish, though, that he didn't have the weird, like, black. Harness? Yeah. Uh, this part oh, you're talking about over the, his, oh, head. his head thing? I kind of wish it just would have come up to maybe, like, right below his cheekbones and yeah. then stopped. Maybe they'll play with that. I don't know. I feel like he's wearing a weird hoodie. But I do sort of like that he said, hey, I got a do-over. So I took it. Yeah, I actually really enjoy kind of what he says about it. I don't like his faces. <laughs> uh, and the, and the faces in this issue are not the best. But we'll talk about that more in a minute. But yeah, Angel basically says, you know what? Like, Because X-23, Laura, is mad at him for not reverting back. Right. Like he kept his, his black mirror cosmic changes. And actually, he's like, why would you want to do that? And he basically says, you know what? Maybe I'm the minor X-Man. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not Summer's gray material. No one kind of dotes on me. But my life really screwed up. I become Archangel, you know, in theory. And then I get reborn as like a newbie, like weird, lame angel. <laughs> And uh, who wants that? So this was, I, I, what does he say? He says, um, so I said to myself, the first legitimate chance I have at making me different, the first chance I get, I would take. This is my do-over. 
And then he asks a good question. He says, can you relate to that? And of course, he knows the answer. Right. Like here's a, a, a girl who was bred, I mean, a clone of a psychopath <laughs> to a degree, um, bred to be a killer, trained to be a killer, uh, went through like underage prostitution, all kinds of horrible things. The I mean, this whole hero thing is a chance for her to do over and to make something of herself. And Angel saying, like, hey, like, we're really not that different. Right. Like, we're, we're opposite, opposites attract. And I think that's, a, that's the key. Uh, yeah, opposites do attract. But there has to be a core of something that you relate to somebody with. And so I think in, to that degree, there's a core of, of a fundamental possibility for union with them. And so I, I, I like this relationship. And I kind of like there's moved more, kind of moved beyond just angels having fun and they're both attracted to each other to an actual, like... He says he loves her. Well, yeah. And then he's like, oops. Which <laughs> I thought was great. <laughs> and when he says, she says, you don't know me. You don't know who I was. He's like, yeah, I kind of do. Yeah, I like that. I like how he's... And he's then he, being very open book to her. Right. Well, because he, he says, I think I love you. And then he says, oops. And then she says that. And he says, but I do know you. And you know what? Not oops. I love you. Yeah. Which I thought was natural sounding and cool. And, yeah. And of course, we have a page of them making out. Well, now, hang on. Let's back up a second. Okay. The first time you told me you love me. Uh, well, let's not. Let's not podcast that. Did you think oops? I know you didn't say it, but did you think it? There is there is a time sometimes in a relationship when a person is the first person to say I love you and they don't get the reaction they wanted. And and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes in some relationships you kind of feel like, oh, not oops, like I didn't mean that, but oops, maybe I should have waited to say that. Okay. Well, maybe what they're trying but but if if you really want to get into it, I did not feel oops because I felt like it was time for me to say it, and maybe I did or didn't get the reaction I wanted. But for better or for worse, I had to put it out there. <laughs> we are married. We do love each we, other. Yes, we are. We're I, lo- <laughs> he's making it sound like I was like, "You're awful. Get out of my no, face." No, we just we. We got to the same place at different times. Yes. And I was a little bit ahead of her. (laughs) (laughs) And may have said I love you before she wanted to hear it right away. Not right away. I didn't say it on our first date. No. It was. That would have been weird. (laughs) It was a good couple of months. It was. I just. Yeah. We won't get into that. We won't get into that. Yeah. So I I think there's definitely. What I'm trying to the point I'm trying to what make are you is trying to make me sound just embarrassing ourselves. I'm sorry. No, the point fine. I was trying to get We're opening up. This is what people really want. They don't want comic books. They want us to talk about our dirty laundry. I don't think that's how the melody goes, but you get the point. No. Kick them while they're up, kick them while they're down. The point I'm trying to make is he says oops. And we've all been in that situation where yes. we've said I love you to someone and went, Oh, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And we don't say it out loud. We say it to ourselves. But I think when it comes to a comic book, when you're trying to get right. that emotion across. But it's because of the face she makes. Right. Yeah. And so, actually, I think it would have been funny if he was like, or not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that may have been what I said. <laughs> 
but I like the realness of the situation instead of like, I love you, Laura. I love you too, Angel. Right. Right. I just. Well, and even though they kiss, she never actually says, not in this issue, that she loves him back. Yes. Like, it's it's unspoken. I mean, if you want to know, it's in his kiss. That's where it is. So, I mean, it's, it's there, but she never says it. No. Which is funny because whenever you want to talk about genetics or whatever and emotions, I mean, the clone of Wolverine refuses to say she loves him. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Yeah. And and I will admit that when I didn't know what to say, I would kiss you. So Yeah, yeah there's 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 a reality to that. A yeah. Truth to that. Oh, oh, by the way, that little bookend of plot. <laughs> <laughs> the bookend? Is, yeah. So uh, at the beginning and the end of this, we have people exploring Utopia Oh, and guess what? There's still some mutants there. A random assortment of mutants, as one of them is random. That's his name, just by the way. Um, I had no idea who these mutants were. All right, I recognize Mask. He's a Morlock. Um, don't know who the blonde guy is. Who's the chick with the sunglasses? All right, that's Boom Boom, or Boomer. Oh, my goodness. Or So we have random... We have the scientist guy. I think his name is Dr. Jeffries, maybe. And then we have Karma with her metal leg. Her poor metal leg. Karma has a metal leg. All right. So all of the... Oh, all right. By the way, I probably should have mentioned this earlier. This is kind of our black vortex fallout issue. How is it a fallout issue? Well, I mean, all the kind of like... Oh, yeah. Is everybody coming back? Let's deal with it. We're back on Earth. We love it. So we got the Iceman thing. We got the Angel and X-23 thing. The one thing we didn't get that I was kind of hoping for is remember, um, I don't remember, I don't remember who said it, but the end when everyone changed back from Black Vortex. Right. And Cyclops and Old Beast didn't look any different. I remember Groot got that terrible makeover. and um, Someone else got a really good, he got the really good makeover. We just talked about it, and I can't remember. Anyway, young Cyclops and old Beast appeared unchanged. They appeared to go completely back to their original pre-Black Vortex selves. And someone said, well, the change for Cyclops is not exterior, but it... Oh, or young Jean said. Yeah. She actually overstepped her boundaries again, read his mind. And someone called her out on it. Yeah. But she said the change wasn't on the outside, Someone said, don't read his mind. She's like, too late. <laughs> but she said the change was in his heart. And it's kind of, we're kind of left hanging. And I was hoping to get some of that. Maybe it was too much to cram into one issue. Yeah. And we'll get it hopefully in the next couple issues or however many are left. I think it may just be one, actually. One or two. Actually, I would kind um, of enjoy it to go over a couple of issues where it's almost like I don't think we have a couple issues to go. Oh. Problem. Because I kind of like, um, so there's that show Once, Once Upon a Time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's the whole fairy tales come to life sort of a thing. Uh And there's an interesting twist that they've kind of been dragging on for two seasons, maybe three seasons. Yeah. And anyway. Preaching to the choir. I love the long play. Well, one of the, the the thing is is Snow White, you know, her heart is pure, blah blah blah. Well, the evil queen can pull people's hearts out and see. And at one point, she gets mad at Snow White and she pulls out her heart and she sees that Snow White actually has 
bits of black floating in her heart. And so Snow White basically is like, why is my heart turning black? Like, is every choice that I make making me evil in a way? And so I think it would be more interesting in that sort of the, the story arc that they bring with Cyclops, that his heart was changed just a little, that he starts questioning all of his choices. Is his heart turning dark? I don't know. I love young Cyclops. I kind of hope it just means he's not in love with Gene anymore. <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like I'd like no one to be in love with Gene right now. I'd like every man that she ever encounters to go, whoa, right. you're a. Yeah, I don't know, but we'll see. Hopefully, we'll find out uh, before Secret Wars. I hope she like grows up to be an old lady with eighty cats. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, and. That said, what do you think of the art in this issue? I thought it was so-so. Yeah, it wasn't Asrar's best, I gotta say. And we've been singing his praises, and rightfully so. Yeah. He's a fantastic artist, been turning in some real home runs. This one was not quite up to snuff. Though, actually, I really enjoyed I thought the last page was really good. Yeah, there were several panels. more akin to his style. You know, it's really weird. I thought some of his facial expressions were awesome. But then you have stuff like... Or Angel is a Met. He looks like a weird alien guy uh, at times. And there's, and some of the, the Bobby faces look odd. Yeah. But overall, I mean, it was still good. It just yeah. wasn't what we're used to. I, I don't know. No. It, it wasn't quite. It was more middle of the road. Yeah. It wasn't at the bar that we normally put it at. Right. And we've talked about the story quite a bit, what we like and what we don't like. Um, when are you going to grade all new X-Men number 40? Um, I'm going to give it three out of six. I just, I want to stay right down the middle of the road. Okay. Um, I feel like the art was middle of the road. I'm not 100% fond of the middle part. Um, so just three out of six. Okay. Like I said, I, I agree that Gene's being kind of shitty here, but I also kind of like where this could potentially go. And I like the conversation between Angel and X-23. Um, the plot of the Utopian thing, we barely, is barely even there. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was funny when we were at S.H.I.E.L.D. So there's a little S.H.I.E.L.D. sidebar. And they're like, hey, we have a situation. And Maria Hill's like, please say it's not mutant related. And then they're like, uh, it's uh, Utopia. And she has head thunks on the monitor. I thought that was really funny. Yeah, I'm going to give this, uh, I don't know if enough happened to really warrant a super high score. I'm going to go higher than you, though. I'm going to do, um, do four out of six claws with the caveat that I think there's stuff that happened here that will lead to really good things. Well, and I, I want to preference as much as I don't like how it happened. I like that Iceman is gay. Yeah, I think, I think it can be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh cool as ice. Moving on. Yeah, so real fast, let's talk about, because we spent a whole lot of time on that. Uh, let's talk about Uncanny Avengers number three. You now know people are fast-forwarding through us, right? Yeah, probably. They're like, oh, I got what I wanted. We're out. But in case you're still listening, it's uh, written by Rick Remender and with an assist by Jerry Dugan this time. Uh, art by Daniel Acuna. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. And the cover is by Daniel Acuna. And it's uh, the High Evolutionary's daughter, don't remember her name, fighting Scarlet Witch in a Counter-Earth food court. That's what it looks <laughs> like. 
Um, I've been digging the covers of this series. This one's meh. It is a little weird. Yeah, it's okay. All right, so basically, uh, Vision has a uh, hardwired sex with his wife, the Adam and Eve of Counter Earth, they say. Basically, they hook each other up to their modems <laughs> and download and their love. But they can't face each other when they hook up. No, it's, it's bum to bum. Um, and then they can get busted. <laughs> and uh, Father, the, you walked in on us. Right, he's like, that's not what it looks like. We're just transferring files. <laughs> we were in the middle of Well, a, I hope you used a condom. I don't want you to get a computer virus, young lady. <laughs> they were using Hightail It. <laughs> what? Haven't you ever heard of Hightail It? No. When it's you, a file <laughs> transfer. <laughs> oh, I thought it was when the dad walks in and the guy Hightails It out of the girl's window. <laughs> no, there's a file sharing. It's free. It's called Hightail It. It used to be called You Send It. Okay. And then there's We Transfer. I don't know what you're talking about. But I will take another opportunity to say that I love Acuna's vision design. Love it. Yeah, so then we need more stuff. Apparently they've had a bunch of vision babies in Matrix style and a bunch of eggs. Um, high, high evolutionary is like, ooh, this is interesting. I can do good things with this. Then uh, the Battle of the Planets, bad guy, big boy. Is still running test on Rogue. He's turned Sabretooth, Pussycat Sabretooth, in, into the High Evolutionary's tracking device. Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch hang out with a Low Evolutionary. They're going to help lead a rebellion. Um, but Sabretooth tracks him down. We get some good art with him attacking uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. Yeah, but there's a weird panel where he... It, I think it's supposed to be drool, but it looks like he's got something growing out of his lip. Oh, yeah, it's a little plant on his chin. Yeah. yeah. And then we meet the high, high evolutionary's daughter who says... Now, remember, this whole story arc is uh, based on Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch's quest to find out who they really are. Since they now know they're not mutants, or maybe not mutants, but for sure Magneto's not their father. No, we know they're not mutants because the spell didn't work on them. So um, they're trying to find out who they are. Uh, I still think they'll probably be inhuman, but they're wondering if maybe they're, or this this daughter of the high, high evolution, I cannot say high evolutionary, purports that they are akin to her, that they're his experiments, that they're hyper, just hyper-evolved. We get a really sweet panel of Scarlet Witch doing her hex powers. And they fight this lady, and she seems to win. Sabretooth leads the uh, high evolutionary forces to the Lowtown Bunker, which is not a new nightclub, but where the uh, high evolutionaries outcast, which the rebel army is all people that survived his purges. So people that did not live up to his genetic standard, but have somehow slipped through the cracks and survived. And they're trying to lead a rebellion, which is funny because this looks an awful lot like the uh, Star Wars. Yeah, the little base on Endor. And it even has a guy standing outside guarding. So I kind of wanted an Ewok to throw a rock at that guy, but instead it's Sabretooth. And then we see our horny toad guy and a, a dragonfly lady and some ninja robot looking people. And they're going to go attack. So what do you think of the art in this one? Uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I like Acuna. I thought the art was pretty good. Uh, what do you think of the story? I don't know. It's hard for me to get into it. So okay. I'm going to give it a middle of the road kind of a thing. 
I still contend this is one of the better... Remender is giving me one of my better high evolutionary stories. Uh, what are you going to give it? I'm going to give it four out of six. All right, I'll be with you. Four out of six claws for Uncanny Avengers number three. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was an emotionally charged Wolverine <laughs> roundup. Yee-haw, Junior bitch. Okay, so that's going to do it for episode 126. Um, I don't know what will be next, but it'll be fun. More comics, more Wolverine, more Snicked. Sneak, sneak. Um, hope you enjoyed this show. I want you to let us know what you think about the whole Iceman thing. That was kind of, I guess, from the main thing we talked about. Uh, or, you know, if you really love Wolverines, uh, let us know. What, what do you really love about it? Because I'm not quite getting it. And if you disagree uh, with me, that's fine. But don't expect me to like you on Twitter. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Twitter, let's do the plugs. Please leave an iTunes review if you feel so inclined to help spread news about the show. Show notes and stuff can be found on snickcast.podbean.com. That's our website. Email is snickcast.yahoo.com. Like the Facebook page. Twitter is at snickcast. And yeah, that's about it. So until next time, hugs and snicks. Bye. Bye.